You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Praise the Lord. Well, you did start a fire. Sometimes uh, the wood's a little wet, so the fire doesn't burn quite like we want it to. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lucas is gone already. I was going to thank him. That's his cue. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here this morning, and I'm very excited to be able to share the Word of God with you today. The Lord always has something in store for us as an individual, and it may look like a a one-size-fits-all, but it's it's tailor-made for each one of us. Amen? Praise the Lord. My uh, my year has been different, and uh, I know I shared my testimony almost two months ago now, but it started back in, in December when uh, the Lord put a word in my mind that I just couldn't get rid of, and uh, the word was activation, and I really believed that 2023 was going to be a year of activation where the things that we believe for the things we've been taught that are inside of us from the Word of God our experiences they need to be activated in us because we can have a a huge arsenal of information and weaponry if we don't know how to use it and activate it then we can't make use of it so this has been in my mind for many months but I didn't realize just what that might look like for myself personally to be activated and uh, it almost seemed like I was deactivated <laughs> uh, with the experiences I've had it didn't it wasn't just uh, full speed ahead which I was used to and so sometimes God can uh, arrange circumstances in your life that brings out the best in us and makes the necessary changes so that we can grow you know, if we didn't grow, we'd still be maybe a toddler or nursing at our mother's side. But we grow and develop and change, and our needs change. And as we grow in Christ, our needs change. And I'm so thankful. It was so exciting to see all the folks that got baptized last Sunday. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, the significance of it is so powerful that when we let it sink into us, and sometimes we don't realize at the time, I didn't realize at the time when I got baptized, all I could think about, I was 17 years old, and I thought, I want to be good for a while before I get baptized. But then I realized, well, I, I, it hasn't been working very well. So, so I got baptized anyway. But uh, many times we feel like, oh, if I could just fix this in my life, I'd be ready for what God is going to do. Or if I could just change this area of my life or or this relationship or whatever the case may be then I'd be ready for what God's gonna do but he doesn't necessarily do that do you think that David thought about that when he was out there tending his flock and he wrestled with the bear and the lion he didn't realize at that time that he was gonna be king of Israel but he was being prepared he was being activated and all these experiences that were happening in his life were building up to something even more powerful and than killing a bear or killing a lion or however he did that like it's an amazing thing uh, what he did it you know he didn't have the the weapons and things we have nowadays and yet he accomplished great things so God wants to activate things in our life that will improve our walk with him improve our relationships 
our, our lifestyle and all areas of our life. I'm so thankful for that today. Uh, the scripture I'm going to share today is uh, it's a controversial scripture in a sense that I've read lots of commentaries and things on it, and it's about Mary bringing the alabaster box to Jesus and anointing him with spicknard, very powerful perfume, and coming in in a situation, if we could understand the culture and the day that this took place in, this was a very uh, touchy situation. And so we'll read that scripture. We'll start there in Mark 14. Mark chapter 14. I'll start at verse 3. Uh, just as a footnote, at the beginning of that chapter in verse 1, it says there, it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And, and the, the, the clock was ticking. They were, they were looking for a way, the Pharisees and scribes were looking for a way to catch Jesus, to arrest him, put him to death. And this is now two days before the Passover feast is going to happen. And it says here in verse 3, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. I'm going to bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and I ask that you'd open our understandings this morning, that we'd all receive what you're showing us here, Lord. And I thank you for everyone that's come out this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says there that uh, Jesus was at the house of Simon the leper. He was in Bethany. Bethany is the hometown of where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived nearby. But there's great discussions and things about who this Mary was, whether it was the sister of Martha and Lazarus or the woman back in, uh, I believe it's in Luke 7, that came in and... Uh, anointed his feet and washed it with her tears and wiped them with her hair. But what I want to focus on today, it's not so critical who the lady was, but this is what took place. This woman came in, and it wasn't announced. This was uh, off the record. It, was no, it wasn't scheduled. And, and the other place there where uh, the woman came in, in Luke, and, and she anointed the feet of Jesus, Simon, he was terribly critical of her. And... Uh, he said, you know, if Jesus knew what kind of a woman this was, this woman's a sinner. And she'd come in, and, and he wouldn't let, him, let her touch him. But Jesus explain, uh, explained the whole situation. He said, you know, I come into your house. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head. You didn't do anything for me. But this woman, who you don't know, who you say is a sinner, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet and wiping them with her hair, and the tears were falling, and the ointment, ointment was on her. Since I came in here, she's been doing this. Since she came in, she's been doing this. 
and it kind of shut Simon up. So I looked up a few things just for information. Alabaster, this was, uh, it says here that she had an alabaster flask, and some places it says alabaster box or jar, but that's not so critical to our story. But alabaster is a white stone commonly found in Israel. It was hard, similar to marble. Uh, ointment, oil, and perfumes were put in vessels made of alabaster, and it kept them pure and unspoiled until used, and they're often sealed with wax. So whatever opening they had in them, they fill them up, seal them with wax, and it would keep for years. Years and years it would keep, and, and they'd find these flasks. In fact, they have found some in recent years that still have ointment in them, and it's kept for hundreds of years because the stone seals it and the wax sealing. So, and the other thing is about spikenard, or nard, uh, the perfume, the ointment that was in it, it, it has a very strong aroma. It's made from a plant that's in the honeysuckle family, which I'm not real familiar with, but it's, uh, it's like an essential oil. And the, it says here that it clings to the skin or hair, and it gives off an aroma for a very long extended period of time. Very highly valued, considered the best perfume, and uh, other perfumes were made from it. So it was like a gold standard that uh, when you had that, you really had something. From that, you could make a lot of things. It was the very best and had been used over and over, and uh, it indicated that you had good taste. When you used that, it'd be like a, a Chanel 45 or, or a Chanel 56 or something like that. A really expensive perfume. And if you had that, you had money to buy it, for one thing, and you had a very high taste. You wanted the best. You didn't want something shoddy, as, you know, a cheap perfume. You wanted the best. Because now you had something that was the source of most other perfumes at that time. We have to remember that it was a time when there was no refrigeration, there was no way of storing things, and they sealed them in these stone vases or jars to keep. So this woman comes, uninvited, unannounced, and it's probably all men in this place because the, the women maybe served the food or something like that, but uh, she came with this alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard. That's really important to notice. It's, it's not diluted. It's the real thing. It's not added and made up of something else. You know, uh, a lot of the foods we eat, if you, if you look in the ingredients, there's artificial sweeteners, artificial flavoring, artificial color, and all these things, but this was the real deal. This was the real pure nard. And nard also is mentioned in the Song of Solomon, where it talks about when the bride and groom are talking, and uh, she says uh, the, the groom is reclining on a bench or something, and she comes in and, and she says her nard filled the room. She had the best perfume. She wanted the best for her lord or her for the groom. And when she came in, it was it it, it superseded all other perfumes that were in the place, all other food smells that was cooking or the fresh linen or whatever they had in that place. The nard superseded all of that. It was the best, and you knew. When that person came in, that's what they came in with. They had that with them.
And it's, it's really thrilling when you think about it, as it leads up to what I want to share, how this woman did this for Jesus. Another note is, when, Jesus, when the wise men come to see Jesus, they brought spices. And they also had a very strong scent, uh, frankincense and myrrh. They're made out of the pitch of certain trees, and they have a very powerful scent. And uh, the reason, it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh that they brought to Jesus. And at that time, those fragrances, those perfumes, those ointments were just as valuable as gold. They would trade equal amount of gold for those perfumes. And they made them into, they were like from the pitch of a tree, and they were little, uh, like jelly beans, say, little, little pieces like that. And, and they would trade gold for the same size and weight as that perfume. That's how valuable at that time it was. So it isn't just uh, something they were coming along, journeying across the, the lands for like 1,200 miles. They came across to, to see Jesus, and they picked up this stuff along the way. But they brought this stuff with them, and they probably had it in, in some kind of sealed containers. And coming on camels and everything, they wouldn't want it to get broken and... They brought it to Jesus. So it's interesting that when Jesus was young and born and, and uh, they came to visit him in the house where he was staying, it says, they brought this, it was a type of ointment too and perfume right at the beginning. And at the end, when Jesus is going to be crucified and they're waiting to arrest him, the scribes and Pharisees, this woman comes and anoints Jesus again with another perfume. It's really significant. And I've never studied this before, but as I studied it, it seems so thrilling to think how there's patterns in the scripture and patterns for us. And as we make decisions and choices that we're going to go all the way with Christ, we, we get baptized and, and we do things to serve him. We, we turn our back on the, on the old man and, and the old man floats down the river. And I know this was, uh, there was no river here, but that's what it signifies that that the old man is washing away and, and we're distancing ourselves from things that were familiar, from things that we loved, from things that we thought they identified who we were. And all of a sudden, we have a new identity in Christ. We, the old man dies and, and the new man rises up in newness of life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. So this ointment here and this situation the first thing that come to those who were sitting there, they said, what a waste. Oh, how could you just waste that expensive spicknard? And it could have been sold and you'd have got money for it. As if we never have any money. And when there's going to be something like this done, well, what about the money? But other scriptures say that Judas was the one that was so worried about the money because he was a thief and he was a treasurer. That's a bad guy to have for a treasurer, a thief. But, uh, so they, they said, they criticized her, and it was wasted. But there's something here that really struck in my heart. This woman came in, uninvited. And the last song we sang, it says, we didn't come here for blessing. What can we give to the Lord? We don't have much to give. We, we have nothing, we have no fame, we have no... Uh, spectacular thing that we can give to the Lord because he gave us everything he made us who we are in Christ but this woman came and she we don't know how she got that it, it's it was equivalent to a year's wages they got about the laborers that went out in the vineyard they got about one denarii 
for working, gathering grapes all day. And this was worth 300. So that's basically a year's wages. We don't know how she got it. We don't know where she got it. It says another place that it was a pound, this, that Mary brought a pound of spikenard. We don't know what it held, if it was all liquid form or how it was. But those things aren't important. What is important is she came, there was something in this woman that came, she came to Jesus. She must have heard of Jesus. She found out where they were eating in Simeon's house. And when she made the decision to break that alabaster box, there was no turning back. You couldn't put it, the box was, the jar, the vessel was being broken. And as it poured out, it was going to all pour out. There was no way to save any of it. Because you break, if you have a glass jar of jam, say, and you drop it on the floor, it's done. You're never putting it back together. The chick can never go back in the egg. When it hatches, it's a one-time thing. And this here, maybe one, one commentary I read, they said it may have been an inheritance. It may have been a dowry that she was... She got when she got married. They don't. Act, nobody actually knows because we don't have the details. But she made a decision. She came in, and she was so humble, and she wept before the Lord, and she broke this this precious, precious thing that was as valuable as gold. And she broke it, and she spent it all, and it ran on Jesus, and the the fragrance would have just filled the room. And she couldn't do it again because she spent it all. And today I want to encourage every one of us. We can spend it all. We don't have to worry about tomorrow in that sense. I used to worry when I first started ministering, when I was young, I, I thought if I preach this message, where will I ever get another one? Like that's the only one I had. I thought, what'll I do? Like I I had all these things lined up and I'd studied it, and I thought, if I spend it. What will I do next? I'll just have to preach it over again. People get bored. Not realizing at that stage that, that it all comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And when we submit ourselves to Him, He can fill us up. So this woman spent her whole, whether it was her life savings, whatever it was, it doesn't say the age of the lady, it doesn't say any of that stuff, but she spent it all. And it, it all ran out. And I encourage every one of us, myself included, that we, we need to give it our all. There's no holding back. When, when she made that decision to break that jar, that was a final decision. And when we make the decision to go into the watery grave, there's no turning back. Then we're, we're all in. We're all in. We're, we're going through with this thing. It's all the way or nothing. And another really interesting thing is this fragrance stayed on people for days. And in those days, they didn't probably shower like we do today and use all kinds of lotions and things. So when Jesus was being beaten, this is just a few days later, this was only two days before Passover that this took place, when he's being beaten and he's being scourged and they're putting a crown of thorns and he would, he sweat and everything, he would smell that fragrance and it would tell him he was loved, that, that, it, that an act of love had been performed. And, and Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, this woman's going to be remembered. This, this almost faceless person who did an act that 
was so humbling and so pure. There was nothing, she wasn't, it wasn't in it for her. She wasn't in it for herself. And that fragrance would have stayed with Jesus and he would have remembered whether it was Mary of Bethany, sister to Lazarus and Martha or not, or whether it was the woman in, in uh, Luke 7 that just came in and they said she was a sinner. It, it really isn't the thing that, that I'm talking about today. The, the, really, the, the topic is what this, this act did. And sometimes we find it hard to worship. We, we're down, life is on us, we're maybe stressed. But just the faintest thank you Jesus can, can unloose the blessings of God and break our chains many times. And this, this act that this lady did, this was an act of worship. She was worshiping her Lord. There was nothing in it to do with passion or romance or money or any of these things. She did it because she wanted to, she wanted to do something for her Lord. And, and Jesus likely had seen her before. He, would, he knew all men, all women. He, he knew who this person was. But she probably didn't know that he knew her. But when this was done, Jesus said this, what she has done will be told in memory of her. You often wonder what that woman's life was like after that. Where did she go from there? We don't have a record. We don't know what took place. And who gathered up the broken pieces of the jar? And all these things. How much was it a pound? Maybe a pound was like two cups. I don't know. But it must have been quite a bit. But I've got, all, I have all, all the Gospels, uh, I wrote them all down, but all the Gospels record this act in different uh, instances. And so, I want to read another scripture here. It says in Second uh, Corinthians, we'll go there. I think I, I think I put that up. Did I give you that one? If it is, I'll read it. Second Corinthians, six nineteen. I mustn't have give that one. I'll find it here. Thank you, Lord. Are you finding this interesting? I found it so interesting, and I heard somebody just touch briefly on it in, in a message, and I thought, my, that, there's a way more to that than, than uh, it, it deserves time. 2 Corinthians 6.19. My little Bible that I got, its pages are terrible to stick together. <laughs> it says here in 6.19... Well, I don't even, there isn't 19 verses there. So I did write that down wrong. Well, anyway, I'll just say it. It says in that scripture that our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And uh, if our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, a natural body, this natural body can contain supernatural life. You know, we, we have all our body systems, our heart, our lungs, our blood, and all the different things that uh, cause us to function as a human being. But... Our body can contain supernatural life. The Spirit of God. Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going away. But I'm going to send you another comforter. And when that comforter comes, he's going to be in you. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So we have somebody dwelling in it. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And it's a wonderful thing to realize 
that this natural body that has its problems, it's all the things that we deal with, it can contain supernatural life. That way, when, we, when our body dies, we don't die. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Also in uh, 2 Corinthians, maybe I got this one right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I thought this was really interesting in relation to, to what I'm sharing today. 4 verse 7, it says here, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So we have this treasure in jars of clay. We're talking today about an alabaster jar, but every one of us is a jar of clay. And uh, in this jar, there's gates. We have our five senses. We have uh, our emotions. Our, we have all the things like anger and passion and, and fear and all these things. But all these things are gates. Every jar has a lid and an opening you can put stuff in. And so what comes in, we have to filter it and allow the Holy Spirit to say, yes, you can do these things, or maybe that's good if you allow that in your life. But in a jar, it doesn't take very much contamination in the jar to contaminate the contents. And I remember my mom canned lots of fruit and all kinds of things. And uh, sometimes she'd say, well, that one went bad. I mustn't have got the jar clean proper. And she'd scald them with boiling water and everything and, and cook them and pressure cook them and everything. But sometimes they just went bad because there was something in there that wasn't conducive to long-term storage. And then she'd have to throw it out. But in our life, we don't throw the jar or anything out. We just have to let Jesus fix that part. He'll fix it, he'll cleanse it, he'll clean it, he'll remove what, if we let him, he'll remove what we don't need so that we won't be contaminated. And many times things creep up on us. You know, uh, when Eve was in the garden and the serpent came to her, it says that she, when she saw that the fruit was beautiful and it was good for food, it was good to eat, it was going to taste good, then she went for it. She, went for, she bought the lie. The lie doesn't have any power unless we... We take it and believe it. But she bought that lie, that she wouldn't die, that she'd now know good from evil. What a wonderful thing, you know. The devil made it look like it was just going to be great. You're going to have a great time. You'll know good from evil. And so it appealed to her eyes, which is a gate. It, it, it looked like it was going to taste good. That's another gate. We have all these gates in our life. But she didn't think about what God said in the first place. Just don't do it. And sometimes we've, we say that to our kids. We try to reason and say, well, if you do this, this will happen, and this will happen, and you shouldn't do that, and everything. Well, that's why you got an owie, because you did this. Just don't do it. Just, we don't have to give all the reasons. Just don't do it. And it seems so simple. And the, the Word of God is full of things that say to us, just don't do it. And we go over it, and we, we miss it, and we ignore it, and, and we hide it and everything. But God's saying to us, just worship me. Just serve me. Just give me your all. Give me, give me what I deserve. And this woman went to Jesus there, and she didn't ask for anything. She just came and she humbled herself in the sight of all these criticizing people that were going to pick her all apart, and she probably knew that's what would happen. But she did it anyway. 
and she poured out this valuable ointment on Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. In Matthew 21 is an interesting scripture in relation to this. Matthew 21, 44. It says here, in verse 43, I'll read. I'll go back to 42. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scripture, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. What would we rather have? I, I'd rather just be broken. Because when you're broken, the bad stuff can all run out. And we can let in all the blessings and all that the Word of God says. But if we allow the, the stone to fall on us, it's going to grind us up. And I don't want to be ground up. I would rather fall on the stone and be broken. Because when we come to the cross... The ground is all level at the foot of the cross. Then there's no big people, little people, tall people, short people. We're all the same people at the cross because the ground, we don't bring with us our accomplishments, our wealth, whatever we might have, but the ground is level. And on that cross, Jesus suffered and died for us. And no doubt, some of that perfume was still on him that that woman broke and she wiped his feet with her hair and wept. Another place it says in one of the situations where she did that, it says her sins which were many are now forgiven. And that brought more criticism from the scribes and Pharisees because they said, well, who can forgive sins? Like, what is this guy anyway? He's going to forgive sins? So it says here that if we fall on the stone, we'll be broken. That's really interesting. We, we don't want to be, we do everything in our life to not be broken. We, we spend all our energy, we, we spend all our money, all our time, we don't want to be broken. But it's the most healing thing that can happen if we come to Christ and we allow him to operate on us and remove that, that, that heart that's in us that's like a stone. He, he'll reach in there and he'll take that stony heart out and he'll put a heart of flesh in one that feels and loves and, and grieves and beats again. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In uh, Romans 12, will be the last scripture I read. Romans 12. I'm sure I put that one in. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 12, where are we? There we are. In Romans 12, verse 1, it says here, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What did that say? It said our spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned us. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. I'll stop there. It says that it's, it's worship here in the beginning, to be present our bodies to the Lord in worship. This, this lady that came to Jesus with this alabaster box of ointment, it was an act of worship. She was worshiping her Lord. She was thankful. Maybe her and Jesus had a conversation at one time. We don't know. But there's, there's Mary in the Bible. Actually, that's, I believe that's Mary, uh, Martha, and Lazarus' sister that had seven devils cast out of her at one time. And also, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene first when he came out of the womb. Uh, <laughs> sorry, out of the tomb. Sorry. But he appeared to her first. That's really interesting, isn't it? And we have all these things in our mind where we, we like to categorize, we like to, to uh, you know, put, put one above another or put one below another. But, but in Jesus' life, he didn't do that. He actually lifted the low people up and brought the high down to the same level. And many times in our own life, we, we, we can get caught up in that where we esteem one above another and the scripture tells us not to esteem one higher than another because in Christ we're all bought with the same price. We all have the same destiny. We all probably came from a similar background. Maybe we can have our degrees of problems but we came from a similar background in that we were lost and we were looking for a savior. Hallelujah. So when you're thinking about life and you're, you're pondering what the Lord wants to do, remember what that woman did? She broke that vessel and it all poured out. There wasn't, it wasn't I'll use half of it today and half for somebody else. It was all or nothing. She gave it her all. If she had saved all her life till that point or whether it was a gift, she gave it all. And I just want to encourage each one of us that we give it all. When we're going to do something for the Lord, we do our best. We, we can't, uh, you can't go ahead and back at the same time. You, you can't drive in the rearview mirror because you won't go very far. And the, the rearview mirror isn't very big in relation to the windshield. We have to look ahead. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you today. And I pray this uh, was encouraging and blessing to you each today and I'll turn it over to Megan are you coming or is Aaron coming oh there he comes we didn't really uh, we didn't really have a course on this or anything <laughs> bless you all right thank you Johnny for more information about Embassy Church visit our website at embassychurch.ca